This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of practical shepherding. And I'm joined once again with Jim Sebastio. We're going to jump right into topic here and just a minute, but I want to remind you to go to practicalshepherding.com. You can access all of our resources there. We have something new and exciting, though. We are launching as a ministry. Actually, by the time this airs, we should have launched it, and it's called Sponsor a Pastor. It's a a new campaign we have. It's a way that a lot of people, hopefully, can support the ministry in a really tangible way. So uh, go check out sponsorapastor.org. We actually have that domain, sponsorpastor.org. Check that out. Watch the video that we have there. And if you or somebody you would would think would want to help support the ministry in this way, that would be a great way to do that. So would you go check that out for us? But we want to jump right into topic as we as we normally do. And you know, Jim, I'm gonna let Jim kind of explain the topic even as he sets it up biblically, but we're gonna talk about what is known now in the post-COVID world as the Duns. And uh, I'm going to let Jim kind of explain this idea. But this is this is kind of playing into the conversations that are being had. And I think that we both agree that pastors need to be having in kind of this the results of this post-COVID world we're, we're living in now. So, Jim, what is, what are, who are the Duns? Uh, the Duns, D-O-N-E-S, the Duns are those who are essentially done with the corporate gathering of God's people on the Lord's Day. Okay. They would not identify themselves as apostates, that is to say, they would say they still believe in Jesus, they still hold to the tenets of the Christian faith. Okay. It's just that they realized after however many weeks or months of sitting at home and watching sermons on live stream that they really don't need the gathering of God's people. They don't need in-person worship. They don't need to take the Lord's Supper, etc. And so what they'll say about the church is, I'm done. I'm done with the church. Mm-hmm. And the interesting part about this for those that I have read about uh, this, and I don't have all the stats in front of me, but I, I do know, and just talking to pastors, and even in talking to pastors through this ministry, that they are recognizing and realizing that a, a, a portion of their congregation detach themselves, particularly during COVID, and they have not reattached themselves, and they're not going to reattach themselves. And so some of these people would say things like, I'm not mad at the church. The church didn't hurt me. It didn't wound me. It did not abuse me. I'm just done. I, I have mm-hmm. no desire to come back. And the question that comes for us and the, the, is, how do we deal with this, particularly if somebody is saying, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not an apostate, uh, I'm, I'm still a Christian, I still love Jesus, I still read my Bible, I listen to sermons, I, I try to walk in obedience, it's just that I don't need the church anymore. Hmm. And so how do you as a pastor, or how do you as a church then uh, deal with this? Do you, do you deal with this in any way other than simply removing them from the roles or exercising a kind of church discipline? Is there a way that we or the church can be moved and motivated uh, to bring people back uh, into, to, see, to cause them to see the, the error of their ways and to bring them back? Or even to ask the question, well, does this really matter? Mm. Does it matter if the people are there physically or not? Or should we simply recognize there's been a seed change and that 
uh, online life and online ministry and doing things through the phone and uh, through your computer. It's just, it's just the way ministry is done now, and we just need to get used to it. Or mm-hmm. is there something sinful and abnormal about this? So before that's the presentation. Yeah, before you go to the text, I just this is a fascinating reality, isn't it? I mean, pastors have always dealt with I mean, I did, I did you do still that people who aren't necessarily uh, abandoning their faith Mm-hmm. And going and apostatizing, but they just they're just choosing to not be a part of the church anymore. They're they're not coming to church. That maybe want to stay a member of the church, but they're not coming to church. Like pastors have always dealt with that, mm-hmm. but this seems to be unique, isn't it? Because because of I mean, COVID created this and everybody being forced online, and now everybody in the world, every Christian basically experienced what it was like. To not be in church for several months at mm-hmm. a time, so it, I, it's like two things happen. One, people are like, "Man, I really appreciate my ch- my church and getting right. together." There's a lot of people that ex- that came out of COVID like that, but we're talking about this other side, and it's millions of people, isn't it? That that yep. that are that were once in church and are now not in church and don't feel like they need to be in church, and this is this phenomenon that's been created as a result of. COVID, and, we, and we, we're going to flesh out a little bit maybe why we think this is this has happened, but I just want to put that out there. Like, we've always been dealing with this on a smaller scale, but this is on a mass scale. Like, I don't know a pastor since, you know, post-COVID that is not dealing with somebody in this same situation. So Exactly. What, what's, I, uh, what's we've, had to te- deal, we've had to deal with it. So, so Jim, let, so kind of, te- let's start with the text, just biblical foundation on this conversation. Where do we, where do we go for this? Well, I think we need to ask ourselves uh, uh, several questions and root, root these things in the Scripture, and that is, is it, what is the significance of the gathered church on, on the Lord's Day? And so is there a difference between saying, I am a Christian, and I am part of the universal church, and therefore it is irrelevant for me to be a part of a local church? And because there can be for and has been for generations very little teaching in many places about the church about what the church is about its makeup about its place in god's economy about its place and what god is doing in the world and what christians do versus in isolation from the church versus and and the rise of parachurch organizations and and all of the rest and and so you look at passages in the scriptures like hebrews 10 this is a passage we often go to uh, which talks about th- uh, that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It says, "As is the habit of some." So, you know, in, in, it's in a that, passage about the Duns. Yeah, that there were Duns. There were Duns. You know, right? There were Duns in the first century. Now, those Duns were not done because they just liked the idea of being able that's to right. have church whenever you wanted. And that's right. When you, you know, the, Hey, it was nice for some people. get, get a sleep in, be in your PJs, cinnamon rolls and a mug, hot mug of coffee and watch a good sermon on, on television yeah. and realize that you're not sinning. You're just doing what you, you're just doing what you do for these people. They stop coming because they might've lost their home or their job or their family or their yeah, life. They're in jail. So they- right. <laughs> so, uh, but you, but you do have to, you, you say to yourself, well, well, what is it about the church? that makes it that it is important that you be there, that church is more than a sermon. And and we have to deal with this today, Brian, because we have the technology today that was not available some years ago. That's right. If you wanted to listen to a sermon, and somebody said, well, I need to hear preaching. 
Well, the only way to do that was to actually go out and 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 sit in a place where people congregated to hear preaching. Mm-hmm. Now, church is more than preaching, and we have to encourage this too. But for some people who have the idea, well, that well, I got to go listen to preaching. I need to listen to preaching. Well, now I can listen to preaching all the time. I can listen to the best preachers in the world, twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, and they're better than my pastor. Or I can get the because the sermon is what matters. This is the idea that some have that singing together, praying together, reading the word together, all that interacting with each other, fellowshipping together. I don't necessarily need that. If I'm a Christian, I need to be I do need to study my Bible, I need the sermon. And I and we're going to argue, yeah, we think that you do. And is there a difference between the living dynamic of being there when when the spirit of God is present among God's people and active? in the act of preaching versus that same sermon on video or on audio. And just by way of a side, Brian, I don't know if you've ever had the situation where you were in a congregation, whether it was a conference or or in a church, and you heard a message where so evident God was moving and dealing with the Lord's people, and then you have somebody listen to it, and it's just not the same. Yeah, they, you know, right. And you really do have to say, you had to be there. Yeah. And there was something, again, about the presence of the Spirit, the gathering of the people that made it special. You're making an interesting insight. It's really insightful comment you're making about uh, in in that text in Hebrews, if somebody was neglecting the gathering, they were not able to hear preaching of exactly any right. kind. So, and which, they couldn't go home and read their Bible because you didn't have a Bible. Right. So that the, how essential that was in the first century to gather with the church. And that was the, one of the only ways really to re- receive the word in any right. way. And so that, that's a good insight into this conversation because that's not the case anymore with, exactly with, right. with live stream and obviously the internet and all those kinds of things. So we just, I, want, I think we need to acknowledge from the outset that regardless of what your deep conviction is about the church gathering, and both of us have deep convictions around that, technology has complicated this in a massive way. Right. And and I, that's what we're dealing with now. And I, I want to I put that out there because I think there's pastors who have deep convictions around this. We read these texts written in the first century and like they apply the same here. Yes, they do. But this is a totally different context now for the reason that a lot of these, these texts were written. And there's a whole movement now of online church. There's just a whole movement that that is, that is enough. And that was kind of the perfect storm, I think, for Christians in the, in this COVID age is that they, so many experienced it. And it obviously revealed some different things about churches and even people's commitment to the church as a result. So why don't we go there as we think about what's happened with all of this? What do, when you look at this, what, what do you, you know, what are some of the implications that you see about this? Kind of go back and forth. There. So I'll start. One implication of the amount of people who are now done with going to church is it exposed to them a, a that they either weren't getting things out of church or were not truly committed to the church, maybe going out of obligation or whatever it might be. But I think it, it revealed the commitment of certain people in the church. Wouldn't you agree with that? I do, and I think as well, it, it maybe it revealed what they thought church was about, or, or a very low view yeah. that, again, maybe it was all about the sermon. So, so I have so this another like, option now yeah, that fits I'm gonna, it. Yeah. I'm going to get the sermon, I'm going to get the sermon this way. If that's, yep. all the, if that's all the transaction, a transactional Christianity. Right, right, yep. And, and again, for some people, it might be that, honestly, there are some churches, I imagine, that have 
horrible to say maybe, but if, if I were a part of them, maybe the thought of not going would be this is my I'm excuse not miss, to I'm not, not go. Much. I really right. didn't want to go anyway. I didn't want to go anyway because I don't get much out of it. People don't interact. There's not much love. There's not much fellowship. There's not much encouragement. We don't help each other. There's nothing really that I can't get online that I, I would have gotten in person. So putting that one aside yeah. and, and saying that, you know, so I, I, I think what you, again, you recognizing it, you, you, it is exposing what people's why they went in the first place mm-hmm. and that when an option was given, why that was attractive, attractive to the point of saying, not just I'm probably not coming back, but to the point of saying I'm done. Yeah. I'm not ever coming back. I'm actually done. And yeah. So what's another implication for you around the that you see? Yeah. I, I think again, it exposes a, a, a very weak sense of what the church is. And so you know, we, we, I think we said something in the context a few few weeks ago in another discussion. What people say when they don't go to church is at least three things. I, I, I don't need this. And by this, I mean the singing of hymns, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, the reading of God's word, the prayers of, of people, living preaching, living interaction. I don't need this. I don't need the Lord's Supper. That's really something. Mm-hmm. Uh, or watching baptisms. Or again, or I'll, well, I'll just drink my own wine and, and eat my own bread at home and remember Christ well, in that way. I think you got to acknowledge that because that's the way some people see what the Lord... I can do that at home too. Right, right. Yeah. So again, it's a weak, very weak ecclesiology. Okay. So the first thing, the, the I don't need this, and by the, you know, but also I don't need them. I don't need these people. Yep. And that may, again, expose a really sad reality that someone was already untethered, already detached. And then the idea that they don't need me. So those are the three lies yep, that people good. believe. I don't need it. They, I don't need them. They, they don't need me. Mm. And if, if that is the case, again, it simply exposes what was, was already there. And so for the pastor trying to deal with it... You know, you may look at it and go, okay, well, what was wrong with how we maybe were, were viewing this in the first place that allowed people to detach so readily? What can I do to prevent that in the future? Mm-hmm. But again, the question, one of the questions we really want to try to deal with, is there a way to bring somebody like that back? But I think, again, this is what it, asking the question, what does yep. it expose? I think it exposes that. We'll get there in a minute. I have one more implication, though. I, I do want to share that I think matters in this, that I, I think pastors have to take a good hard look at. I think what this did, that what the Duns have exposed is that there were problems in churches that were being ignored. Mm. And and I think this is the place where we got to take a hard look. I think, you know, COVID and the volatile political atmosphere, at least in the United States, and what happened as a result of that revealed a disunity that existed in a lot of churches that I think a lot of people put their head in the sand and wanted to ignore. And so I think the the Duns existing as a movement uh, exposes that that maybe your church wasn't as either healthy, or maybe it was not as unified, Mm -hmm. or maybe your membership wasn't as committed as you thought or wanted to think. Right. And so I think this is a moment. I think that's an implication of this movement of the Duns. And I think this is an opportunity for pastors to to humbly take a hard look and go, Mm. you know. Maybe we weren't as unified as I thought. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe weren't we weren't as mature as I thought. Mm-hmm. And I actually I I think it's hard for pastors to have to you know to have to take a, a look at that and, and explain and under, try to understand you know what happens. I mean that's that's just a, that's a hard thing to have to evaluate and look at, especially if you've been a pastor for a long time in that 
current place, and we're encouraged to think, hey, this is this is a pretty this this is a pretty healthy place. And then all of a sudden, politics and COVID just opened this thing up that right. you had no idea existed in your church. So, I think that's an implication of the the movement of the Duns is it it's an opportunity for pastors maybe to take a good, hard, honest, and uh, you know just intimate look at what's really the state of your church, what. How many people are actually bought into the ecclesiology that you think that you have functioned in all these years? Yeah, and I think, Brian, it may also, I think this is worth getting into, what, what does it expose about the real spiritual state of that person that had been a member and sitting there and was seemingly That's attached right. for That's all of these years, yep. and then all of a sudden you realize, well, I mean, maybe like a brick in the side and a wall, and you, you, it was there, sitting there. And one day you walk over and you just you can just pull it right out and you had no idea yep. until something happened that that caused it to move or a tree you think is a live tree you've done this walk through the woods as a kid and think you're really strong go and you're able to push a tree over well then realizing it was actually dead it looked like it was alive but it's dead yeah right right and what does it say what does it say about this person this dear person that you you care about what does it say about them that they have no heart to be where God's people are. They have no heart for fellowship, that they can leave all of that and still think that they're, that they are right with the Lord. I think we have to ask that question. Is that true? Mm. And there's the difference between the, I can't, and that is the elderly person. Well, what, what makes them different than the elderly person who can't come to church mm-hmm. and is very grateful for the online because it is a lifeline to Absolutely. them yeah. versus the person who could be there and is not there. So on the one, you say, well, they're tuning in as a sign of life. On the other, you look at it and say they're doing the exact same thing, but it's a sign of something very unhealthy that mm-hmm. may even cause you to question their conversion. So you have articulated something I think really well that's important in this conversation. For that widow who cannot get out, it is a lifeline. It's her way to participate in a way she would in the first century she could participate at all. Right. Oh, it's a blessing. So it's such it, a blessing. So right. The, and so I mean to play devil's advocate a moment that that's the people who would say online church then is legit. If it's legit for her, it's legit for me. And now I can I can choose to come, but how does that change things? Now I agree with you, but I'm saying that I think that's what's complicating this conversation. And so it's much. also we have to remember this because the way that some pastors have tried to get people to come back is to stop doing online. Uh, yes, I know several and, of them. And have because done that. it's all right, we're just gonna shut it down and we're gonna cut off the pipeline so that if the, you know so the guy goes to, goes to the faucet and there's no water well you're thirsty enough you're going to come drink where the water is you know what i but i think it I but think you're that's also a, cutting off you know the widow or the or the people that are sick or the you know well i think that i think it's case by case i know churches that don't have anybody like that and they're cutting off the live stream for that reason they're yeah. like because nobody ha- we nobody has to be able. It's their only lifeline. Yeah. The churches that have that and people are using it, yeah, I think that's foolish to cut off the live stream. But when I'm asked that, and that's been a question I've gotten from a lot of different pastors, I- I'll always say if you have somebody who has to have that to be a part of the church in any way, like you know, if you want to maybe just send it to those people, fine. But like, don't take that away from them. That's their one lifeline to to church. Okay, let's 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 kind of segue then into so. How do we how do we address this, Jim? How, how does a pastor how, in your you've got this going on in your church? How do you try to go after these people? How do you potentially win them back? What's the plan? 
right, I think you've got maybe three avenues. Okay. Uh, well, and then a, the, and then uh, an action. Okay. So I think eventually you have to have the action. All right. So what are the? Uh, I think the first thing is you need to let them know that you know and recognize and realize they're gone. And, and that is to whether it's a phone call, a, a text, an email, or an in-person visit that says to them, look, because remember, if, if I'm right about these three lies, one of the lies is they don't need me. Yeah. yeah. And that is they don't, they don't really care. They don't care. And, that, and sadly, that happens sometimes. Some people can leave a church and they'll never hear from the pastor, never hear from anyone. They'll never be pursued. The shepherd will never seek the wandering sheep, et cetera. I think so. We as shepherds, we need to seek. And that is to say, what's going on? We, we need to know what's going on. It, it has something happened? Have you been ill and you just haven't told us? Have you been visiting? Are, are, are you going to a different church? What, what's going on? Because you left, there's no contact, but, but hey, I mean, I look out and I realize, oh, the, whatever, the, the, the Johnsons aren't here anymore. I haven't been here for two weeks, and you know, and there's sometimes you're gone. You, you know, so, I mean, as a pastor, I'm, I'm gone for a week, and so were they here last week? I asked the people, were the Johnsons here last week? No. So you've okay, it's been three weeks, four weeks. Have you heard anything? Anybody heard anything from that? Why well, I, I need to reach out to them because I want to let them know first of all. So that's that's number one. Yeah, seek them out. Yep. So I, I'll go ahead and do number two. Yeah, go for it. Right. Keep going. Number number two is that you involve the congregation. Okay, and, and that is you. you so a prayer meeting, you might say, look, and brethren, we we have some folks that have that have not been coming. They've distanced themselves from us, and you you know and you recognize they're not here. They just have an open conversation. Uh, those of you that are closer to them, I encourage you to give them a call. Uh, have them over, invite them over, let them know you miss them. You know, so that you utilize the body. Okay. Uh, in that regard, I, I think the third thing that you do is that you have to place some either instruction to the mind. So the word the word to admonish in the Bible is a word that means to put before the mind. So you need to put before the mind, or you need to give uh, I, either by way of wooing or by way of warning. That this is this is not only going to end your relationship with the church, which in some ways they they don't care about, but to look at it and say, do you understand that if you are a professing Christian, do you understand what the church is and what happens in the dynamics of the church, and do you realize how much of the New Testament you are going to have to ignore in your Christian life to say that I'm a Christian, but I I I now eliminate all the one another's. I eliminate all the all the commands regarding my duty toward the church, my duty toward my pastors, all the duties regarding worship, all the promises of Christ regarding his presence with God's with his gathered people, his walking among his people as Revelation uh, 1, 2 and 3 says mm-hmm. on the on the Lord's day. Mm-hmm. I have to ignore all of that. And so it might be you need to instruct and rebuke and correct and that is set certain truths before the mind. How, you know, by wooing, that is, listen, do you understand? You know, we miss you. We love you. You have a part here. You're part of the body. You know, wooing is, do you understand? You know that that there is a difference between watching food cooked on a, a, a you know, on the Food Network and eating it. You know, between being there and smelling it and and all of the rest, and, and you're settling for. A, a, a virtual life versus a real life. It, so, so let me ask you this. Okay, so those three things are helpful. But those three things, Jim, you've just articulated, correct me if I'm wrong, that's how, what you would have approached. That's what I would have done 
in a in a pre-COVID era with wayward church members. Yeah. So can you just affirm that? Like that's what you would have done anyway. Yeah, and I think real yes, that's what I would have done anyway. Okay, so, yeah. And I think that, that I think part of that is the same. I think there was some of this it the difference now is just that it's happening on a wider scale. Okay. That it's it's more families than ever before. Pastors are having to deal with it in a way and they're being uprooted or they have been detached through a cultural crisis rather than just through the the normal course of life which some have done in the past. Okay, that's helpful, but I I think the big question everybody is asking and this is where we should go uh, as as we move towards the end of this is so what do you ultimately do if you don't win them back? Is there a different would would you handle this the same way? Would you discipline that church member eventually like you would have previously, you know, before COVID. This I think the conversation, this is what I get asked all the time. Okay, let's say I've done all three of those steps. Yeah. But they're not coming back. And they're saying they're done. Like right. what what do I do? Do I go through the normal discipline process? Is it different this time because just the the circumstances are different? And we might differ a bit on this. So yeah, what would you so say? I'd be curious to hear what you have to say. Yeah. So I, I think I think Brian, one thing I want to say about this as we, we move into this, because I was going to say my action is Oh, right, the action. Okay. The action is you have to deal. You have to deal with it publicly. Okay, and, and that, and I think that in dealing with it, I think we need to remove a certain almost cloak of innocency about it because it seems innocent. Well, you know, I still love Jesus. I'm still listening to preaching, and to say, you know, this is if this is an apostasy, it's close to it. Okay, that your when you're converted. It's not just a, a, a me and Jesus. I mean, this idea that heaven's going to be me and Jesus walking along an empty beach somewhere looking at our footprints or something, you know, that it's throngs, it's multitudes, uh, we are, it's an assembly, it's a gathering. Jesus laid down his life for the church, not just, you know, for us, uh, this idea that we're all just so individualistic. And to say that I can say that in good conscience, I am a Christian living under the Lordship of Christ, but denying vast aspects of my Christian life and what God has called me to do. I think you look at it and go, look, you don't necessarily have to be here, but if you're content to live out your Christian life in isolation you're in a very dangerous spiritual state. I'm not, I, 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 I'm not, I don't know that I'm willing to say you're not a Christian, but it's hard for me to view a person as a Christian who is detached from the local church. Spurgeon's got a great illustration about watch, seeing a brick in a field alone by itself and says, well, I'm just as good as a brick in a building. And it's like, no, you're not. Mm. And you're, and he uses it. I'm very strong. You're a good for nothing brick. Mm. And somebody that chooses again, who chooses, it's like, well, I'm a husband. I just don't live with my wife and with my, I'm a father, but I don't ever interact with my children. I look at pictures of them. Yeah. I watch videos of them. So I think we're in agreement with that. Well, what's your action, Jim? What is so the-, the action is, and this is the question is because I think we have I think we have to state how serious that this is not just well COVID and oh well there's online no no this is a this reveals something something's very wrong with you and it may mean you're going to miss heaven. I think we need to tell them that. Okay. I think we also then need to, well, obviously, they're going to need to be removed. I mean, they can't be members. Well, can't I just be a member? No, you can't. You're not allowed to be a member if you detach yourself from the church. Okay. 
The question is, and this is an interesting, is what is the form or the process of discipline? Excommunication, in, in a lot of ways, is like the church's nuclear option. It's, I mean, I mean we're, we're talking, if you use 1 Corinthians 5, you're talking things like deliver them to the world, deliver them to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. Or do you have a kind of um, a policy, maybe like a removal with censure? And that is we're removing so-and-so that they've not been coming we have a family where you know talking about this. They're, they're just not coming. They, I've met with them. I've reached out to them. They say they're coming back, and they don't come back. And at some point, you got to look at it and go, "Listen, either you return, or you're going to be you're going to be removed, or at least removed from the membership of the church." So that's that's what I'm asking you is your 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 statement you made a few minutes ago. And this is by the way, this is why we need to hash this out. This is the tricky part. You're saying it. You're not a, you're not apostate, but you're close. Well, church discipline, excommunication, is the church's statement. My right. understanding, yeah, it is. Of we don't think you you're a follower of Jesus. We think you're deceived if you even though you say you you follow Jesus. So, what is there a middle ground, Jim? Like, yeah, this is the hard part about this because particularly the difference between the nuns the, that is, I have no religion. Or again, somebody who is saying, I'm denying the faith, or I don't believe I'm a Christian anymore, is that technology, in a sense, has produced this weird creature that's able to say, well, I'm still, I still want to follow Jesus, and I still want to, you know, and do you excommunicate somebody like that? You know, there's a difference between that and, well, maybe there isn't in my mind. But, you know, somebody who's like, well, I want to follow Jesus, but I have a girl, you know, I, I, I have a mistress, or I want to follow Jesus, and I'm into prostitutes, or I want to follow Jesus, and I'm a bank robber, or I want to follow Jesus, and I'm a serial killer, yeah, and those... you go, no, you can't be. That's a total contradiction. Well, but th- and th- I, I believe that. that this is, and the question is, because, again, of low ecclesiology sometimes, you know, well, we're not a cult, and we're not this or not that. Does church attendance matter this much? Does being a part of a church matter this much that you would say to somebody, if you will not return and you will not be won and wooed and, and brought back in, that we we will regard you not just with the sadness as a, a Christian who has detached himself from the body, but that we have to view you as a worldling. Okay, so you're going to then... I'm, I'm, I'm asking you that. Oh, I'm, you're asking, asking, I'm asking you that. Well, I still want to know what you... I'll tell you what I, what I would do in a minute, but you, I, I'm wanting yeah, to get clarity on... I'm, that's what I'm wrestling with. Because okay, so there's a part. I'm wrestling with this, right. Because there's a part of it I want to look at, like say, you know, I mean, I have a very specific you know group of people in mind. And I want to say, all right, do I want to deliver them over to Satan for the destruction of my... It, it, is the gathering, the corporate gathering of God's people that serious? That to, uh, uh, what's the language here? Uh, to not gather as is the habit of some. To forsake the assembly. So you're, to forsake the is is the forsaking of the assembly the same as apostasy? That's the big question. And, right. and I and, think and, previously, in many ways, most of us would have had a clear category for that. And now yeah. that's what's complicated this. So here's where I'm I'm at on this. And by the way, like you and I have known each other a long time, and, and we share. Uh, many of the same deep convictions, ecclesiology-wise, yeah. in regard to the public gathering. Like we, we've we've been in agreement on, on all those things. This is what's thrown me with this, and I uh, here's how here's the two options. I think if, in other words, I think other people are wrestling with what you said. I mean, I have, certainly have. Like, do you just outright excommunicate people and treat them as an unbeliever, mm-hmm. uh, like they have denied the faith by yeah. by this situation? 
I have found that to be hard to do. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I don't. I fought for years as a pastor. Like if I had elders sitting here, they would they would vouch for me on how much I held the line to say there is not a third category. You're either in this <laughs> church and you are committed, or right. you're not. And you know, and then either you need to go find another church, or you need to let us know that you're not following Jesus, and we we you're, you can't be a member of this church. And we can't treat you like that. Yeah. But as time has gone, there were a couple of situations where, as human beings and not being God and not knowing how to sort through, you know, the, the complexities of it, we as a church uh, ended up making. I'd say there's maybe two or three examples. This is my, you know, you know, 17 years at Auburndale, where we actually cre- we actually had a third category. Went publicly to the church, like you're talking. I say, mm-hmm. here's a situation, and they're all complex situations, but basically. Uh, we so one example would be someone dragging their feet to go join another church or something. Yeah, but we're they're not at all among us, so we can't have care and oversight over them. Right, we would rem- we would vote as a congregation to remove someone from membership. Right, in a non disciplinary fashion. Right, so that 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 would that category existed in some of these rare exceptions. And, and is that part of your was that part of your church constitution because we we are looking at adding yeah. something like this not. what we would call a removal with censure. Yeah. And that is to say we are not yet willing to say that we believe these people are going to hell. But they cannot be members they cannot be members of good stand in, in good standing. Their sin is in regard to their refusal to gather. It's, right. it, again, it's not, it's not adultery. It's not, you almost wish it were something simple. Like, well, why don't you go rob a bank or something so we can really discipline you? Yeah. But, you, you know, I'm, I said, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kidding when I say it. But, you know, the old writer, you, you, guys like Martin Luther said something like, ordinarily, this is his quotation, ordinarily, he says, there is no salvation apart from the church. And what he means by that is that you can't, you cannot follow Jesus, you cannot call Jesus Lord, Lord, and ignore such a vast application of His lordship. So you have made really strong arguments on why that's the case. Yeah, but that's not, I think, what we're hashing out in this moment. Yeah. It's the complexities around now in this unique situation. Right, right. So I would say two things as far as an action item. One. I think it is legitimate to have a category in the church as an exception to the rule, not a norm, but that there's an ex- that there is a category we will remove you from membership in a non-disciplinary fashion because we as a church cannot care for you or we're not involved in your life. By the way, I know churches that have really strong uh, ecclesiology convictions yeah. who remove people from membership like literally a month after they move away. From the church, right? Yeah, we another. have we have six months. So okay, so yeah. I I think that, so this category has existed for those particular situations. I think this category is one of the ways to deal with you know to deal with the duns, and you can remove people and just say you know we just no longer can take responsibility for them. The second option action item I believe is I think and by the way I'm not recommending this, but I think this is an option that uh, you can in this post COVID world. That you can have a a list of people that the elders can acknowledge, that you almost acknowledge publicly even to the mm-hmm. church. Say, okay, these ten members have not come back to church since we shut down for COVID. Yeah. We've been in contact with them, or we've pursued them, or whatever. Right. They're not denying the faith according to what they say. They're right. not mad at us. They just are done with church. The duns, you know. And I think, 
in this time period, in this transitional time period, I think you can create a category of, you know what, we're going to put them here. I don't know what you call it, probationary membership, whatever, you know, that, mm. not that, but we're going to do this for a year and then we're going to keep seeking them out. And then in a year, we're going to reevaluate what to do with these names. Okay. And, then, and so I actually think that's a, a legitimate, practical way to to not remove them and declare them an unbeliever because just your conscience almost doesn't allow you to do that. Uh, because I do believe that this online church phenomenon has become a very confusing for legitimate Christians. Mm. And I'm I am starting I would err, at least at this point, I'm finding myself wanting to err on the side of grace yeah. and and uh to continue to try to love people back. And I think if you do like again, I went into a church that had 30 people and 700 people, 780 people on the membership roll. Like, <laughs> I am not encouraging a third membership list permanently. Right. But right. I do believe, you know, you're talking using the word censure. You know, I'm using the word probationary list or whatever. I think there are ways, I think this calls upon us to be creative and to try to figure out what to do. But to your point, and, I, and, then, and as we wrap this, I want to say this that I think we have to, um, we have to do this in front of the church so that the, the church members do not see a, Inconsistency or even right. a hypocritical approach to this, so we've got to bring them and let them know what we're doing. Any so final yeah, really quickly, Brian, and I don't want to make this go too long. I think the, the, is there a difference in your mind between somebody who is experiencing a time of confusion? That is, hey, you know, I, I got I got so used to doing this, and I I started a job in certain ways, and this is really this is really helpful. I feel like I'm still being nurtured. I feel like I'm still attached to the church. You're the church I watch online. You know that that kind of thing, and somebody saying, "Well, because this is our, our our category here, the I'm done. I'm not coming. I'm 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 not confused. I'm I, I I'm done." Would would that put you in a different category as far as with the patience? It it would not on a temporary basis. Again, okay. that's why I think, like I said, I I'm I'm finding myself because in this moment. There is a cultural phenomenon that we're dealing with that that. We need to understand the the peculiar dynamic of a crisis that we're in. Is that is that your idea? Yes, and I would add to that. And again, I'm speaking now not as I'm not a local church pastor. I'm dealing with hundreds and hundreds of churches all over the world. Yeah, and that's my perspective. I'm also coming from a place that these people who are, are that fit that category you're describing, uh, their churches did not care for them well. And yeah. they are, and yeah. or they that were hurt. Be, right, exactly. They were hurt that's, by I think their that's church. A, I think that's a whole different category. Okay, but, but I'm yeah. saying that's pre, that that's one of the I think main we, things. That's why investigation is so necessary, and interviewing and knowing what you're. I think who and what you're doing. That's with. right. But I'm yeah. saying that that's that's what I'm seeing a lot of is people are discovering. You know, I don't. Well, here's what here's kind of what's happening with a lot of people. Man, I don't miss these people after COVID. Mm. Well, what's going on there? And then they start to realize. Man, Man, because you hurt me, and and this I didn't get right. cared for. Well, I don't need you. Like that's the progression right. that's happening with a lot of. And people, there's a so. difference between the I don't need you and I don't need a, a church. Because what happens in some cases is that's that right. somebody, you know, well then find a place where you can because you do need this, and, and I you think do that's need God's how we can serve and, you. But and, I think that's the next step. Yeah. If, okay, so you know, and that's where you that's where you get down to. I just don't want to come back here. Okay, yeah. can I encourage you to go yeah. somewhere else? And I, want, I want to make it clear. I'm wrestling with this. You know, I, yeah. as I lay yeah. these things, what what are the actions? And I think at least at some point you need to get to the point where you say, we need to public acknowledge they're not coming back. They they have been given every opportunity to respond. They're not, and therefore member member in good standing is not a category for them anymore. And however you go on, whether it's a removal 
a removal of a censure or an excommunication, yeah. uh, which, again, I think has certain implications to it beyond just the removal. So Yeah, but I, I, think, I think this has been a good conversation because, if anything, Jim, like you and I agree on so much of this and share the same convictions ecclesiology as far as why that's important to be yeah. a part of a church, be present in the gathering. But th- this, so if anything, this helps other other pastors know that this is a legit thing to wrestle through. Mm. There, There is a nuanced category of trying to make sense of this. That's okay. Every context is different, but get creative. You're not being unfaithful to the Lord to try to wrestle with this and figure out maybe what's going to work best. I think in this in a temporary way in the next year to two years around this. So will you take a minute mm. and pray yep. for the wrestling of pastors through all this? All right. Father in heaven, we, we're so thankful for the promise in your word that you are a, a God who gives liberally to those who ask and that if we need wisdom, we can ask it of you and trust that out of the openness of your heart, because you are the giver of every good and perfect gift, you will help and lead and guide us in ways that would be healthy for the flock that remains and for if they are true sheep uh, who are straying, or Father, if they are being exposed as hypocrites. Lord, we need help to evaluate. Uh, we, we, we don't want to err. We don't want to uh, act harshly towards somebody who needs grace, and we don't want to coddle somebody who needs an exhortation. Father, help us uh, in these things to be found faithful. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.